Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. Joining me, as always, is Pete. Hey, baby. Hey, sweetie. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., episode 218, the frenemy of my enemy, is brought to you by Funyuns. You know you love them. Imitation onions, suitable for just about any occasion. Uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico deserts, Milwaukee, wherever you're looking for them, grab them Funyuns. And Pete, if people are eating Funyuns while watching Marvel television, time to double that order. Let's just give a quick rundown of the things which have occurred. Basically, in the last three or four days, uh, we have increasing strength that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be renewed. Not major news there. That's where things have been headed. Um, on the rumor front, there uh, over the weekend, there were, were big stories on there being a Mockingbird and Hunter spinoff to the point that it was it – was, repeated in so many different entertainment publications that really seems to be um at least a strong strong consideration behind the scenes for abc uh there's also some much more vague rumors that there's going to be um uh, perhaps a ms marvel uh television show by the way that's different than captain marvel um and let's see also pete just happening about two hours ago what was the the big news uh on the uh the netflix marvel front well, after only 11 days on Netflix, which sets the new record, Daredevil was renewed for a second season. This comes with a caveat. Showrunner Stephen Knight will not be back with the show. He is headed to Marvel Films. Um, so there will be new showrunners. But for them to get that soon, a vote of confidence, I mean... Netflix does not release internal numbers as far as viewership. I can tell you at last check, they had 1.9 million reviews on Netflix, um, which very quickly put it up the ranks. House of Cards, for instance, a third season show has 6 million reviews. Wow. So, um, you know, just like we called it, that Daredevil would have the widest uh, appeal of any of the Netflix originals. We've been validated, and there you are, second season. So it's going to be interesting to see how that is rolled out amidst, aka Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Daredevil second season, Defenders miniseries. Um, there's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to consider. There is <laughs> even further news, Matt. Indeed, Pete, you dug up a Hollywood Reporter article that was primarily reporting on uh, the Daredevil Season 2 pickup, but it also mentioned, uh, unattributed, uh, but it mentioned that things are looking even better now for uh, Agent Carter to be the bridge uh, the bridge series between the two seasons of S.H.I.E.L.D. So there's just a ton of Marvel television headed our way next season. I don't know that necessarily all of it will make the cut or all of it will come out even next season i wonder if maybe some of this stuff would come out maybe the following summer but bottom line is we are set to podcast it we're having a blast doing shield and daredevil at the same time and uh just a reminder particularly since we're doing three episodes a week uh we do have of course uh you know real life outside the world of podcasting and uh, all of you who've headed over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash fantastic geek 
to help us with our uh, bandwidth and storage costs. That's uh, certainly a big help. Uh, we're going to be just about maxing out that uh, that storage for the month with uh, Daredevil and Shield going concurrent. So you all are making it happen, and we'll continue to make it happen. And thank you. Yes, and uh, I am training right now, um, living off intravenous fluids. So uh, it's all part of the plan. All right, time to catch you up on what went down in this episode. Artiz takes place in San Francisco. Fitz outfitted in a suit, which we don't ordinarily see, but coming off the previous episode, knowing that he was looking to shake a tail, begins to run. Um, he reaches a rooftop where uh, Hunter and Colson are able to watch the um, real shield agents that tailed him there. Uh, and suddenly one of them runs into the cloaked Quinjet. They are inside um, and they get on out of there. Colson gets his hands on the cube, but they know that they need to find sky and that uh, Hydra has a new head with Strucker and uh, the previously seen Dr. List, both of the, Captain America, the Winter Soldier secret scene, as well as earlier this season, we saw Dr. List with some of the other Hydra baddies, the Baroness, the Banker, etc. But they've struck a deal with Ward, and that catapults us into our first act. Pete, this is what a teaser act is all about. Uh, things as simple as the running that fits in the real shield agents are doing up the flights of stairs. It just looks like these guys are booking out as fast as they can. Um, the gag of running into the, the cloaked Quinjet is a, definitely a funny moment. Kind of, you know, we could kind of see it coming, but it's nonetheless just a really, really funny moment. Uh, our pal Mike Sorensen on Twitter, of course, uh, saw a, uh, a connection between that and uh, the cloaked ship in Star Trek Four. Um but as yep. you say, Pete, with that, we're off to the races. We get a quick uh, kind of expositional framing of what's going on and the who and the what and the how. And um, with that, you know, we're off to uh, we're off to get Hydra. Act one begins with Dr. List and um, what seems to be the deceased body of Ethan. It was either Johnson or Johnston. I'm not quite sure either there but uh we last saw him alive in the afterlife and um he's in the 37th hour there post-mortem so uh he ain't alive no more pete certainly the the visage there of the open-mouthed quite dead uh bad guy or at least uh killed by the bad guys that uh ethan um it's it's just briefly shown, but a nice little reminder that uh, these baddies are baddies. And, of course, they punctuate the scene by saying your favorite phrase, Hail Hydra. Yes, and also the mention that there was uh, still no quantum signature, something that came up quite a bit with Dr. List in this episode. Um, and let's not remember that we've seen him around other powered individuals that you might be seeing in a very small art house type of movie. Um, you know, it's, it's so small. They dug up the younger sister of the Olsen twins to play one of those powered individuals. And I believe some guy who took the name, the surname of his wife. 
I think it was the half surname of his wife. It's he he's terribly British. Yes, quite British. Actually, he's not his wife is. Don't send us emails. We we understand. <laughs> his his wife who's old enough to be his mother, but I digress. Back to you, Pete. To the afterlife we go, where Cal and Ja Young are having a discussion, and the issue there is that Cal is not like the other people at Laiche, also known as the afterlife. Um, and Gordon is going to be taking him, at least Jai Yang tells Cal to get his stuff. Uh, but there is a very pregnant look, and it's not because Jai Ying is with child. <laughs> well done, Pete. Um, we have mentioned in the past how Kyle McLaughlin's performance is um, kind of appropriately um, imperfect, you know, because Cal's Cal's kind of so um, bouncy, so kind of, you know, it's like a record that's skipping. Sometimes he's in the groove. Sometimes he's just, you know, just crazy. Um, It's happened enough times that when you frame it in this scene where there's just this this sense of sympathy towards him that really is growing. And, of course, the episode picks up on in a little bit where – the Minical is, you know, so eager. Yeah, let me go get my things. It'll make this prison feel like it's less of a prison. I miss my tunes. It's just kind of like, oh, he's broken. He is mentally broken. And he doesn't know what's what we think at this point is happening to him, that he's getting the boot here. And it's there's really a sympathy here to a character that for so long has kind of been the, I am crazy and I am angry. And it's 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 wonderful that they're able to go so subtle while still going broad with him. When you cast an actor like Kyle McLaughlin in this role that you can get this range out of him, that's an expectation given a guy who's been in the business, you know, since the early eighties in major roles and just the range of his performance, not just in this episode, but throughout this season is, just what the doctor ordered, Matt. Zing. Yes. Um, but the issue arises here not just because of that look, but with Sky and Lincoln having a discussion, recapping him on the dinner that she had there. And, of course, she's that kid, Matt, that calls her parents by their first names. Which I dig because it's Sky and it's her attitude that we've seen since day one. And I also dig because it's Sky who has gone through this, not just kind of like the, oh, finding my birth parents thing, um, but just, just it's so incredibly strange and topsy-turvy. Cal is like a crazy killing machine. Her mother never ages and was stitched back together. It's just... It's it's so representative of Sky trying to keep these people at an arm's length, which is both quite close and also not too close. Definitely agreed. But when it comes to the issue here of talking about how dinner was stressful with her parents and, you know, the way everything went, um, Sky reveals to Lincoln that uh, she's been told they're going to send Cal away. And um, Lincoln is convinced that he is dangerous. 
And I think despite that, I mean, you still just get this sense in an otherwise extremely busy episode, um, just kind of how Sky really is trying to find some kind of normalcy here. Uh, and and in her, too, there's a sense of sympathy, even though she, she kind of has to be stronger later as the episode goes on in regards to Cal. It's, it's a really nice moment that we're able to be here emotionally with these three characters and some sort of surrogate family, despite the fact that Sky knows he has to get the boot and, and Sky knows that there's certain adult realities out there. Right. And, you know, Sky seems to agree with that danger factor, but it's here that Link encourages her to speak to her mother and see if anything can be done here. Dialogue, always an important thing. We cut to the real shield and uh, Bobby and Mac going a couple rounds with the sparring, she recommends that he add a flip in there at some point to uh, keep him balanced, perhaps. But she's worried about the trouble with Fury's toolbox. Pete, what else is going on in this scene is just that wonderful sparring. At one point, Mac Mac just you know smashed to the ground, and another moment, Mockingbird, you know, kicked back into a brick support column thing and pete back at uh back at the the uh comic-con from i guess it would have been two years ago when mm-hmm. i complimented jeff Loeb and uh the others there assembled on the fact that agents of shield has such fantastic female characters we see it in this scene what's the difference in this scene between mockingbird and mac one chromosome um... and and some skin pigmentation otherwise they're both beating the crap out of each other they're both able to take each other's hits take each other's training and it's just so emblematic of how marvel treats female characters you know pete there's some other show that we live tweet you know takes place in another city with some 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 rich kid and his butler and whatnot <laughs> that treats female characters so poorly as hangers on and frail just just frail nothings and it's so refreshing to see mockingbird hit mac and Mac hit Mockingbird because they both can handle it. Indeed. And, um, you know, the cream rises to the top. But um, we join Simmons and May, and uh, there's discussion about uh, Coulson's whereabout. There was a line, too, about a piece of technology. Was it strong enough to cut through vibranium? You're going to be hearing a little bit about that substance in the next couple weeks. So there you have it, a little break King news. Yes. But um, between Simmons and May here, uh, they're concerned with what's going on with uh, Coulson. Um, Simmons admits at this point she had switched the box out. And it's from there that we whisk to Tijuana, Matt. <laughs> and former Agent 33, now Kara on the phone with mom men what men <laughs> it's um it, it's a scene that I will admit it took me a moment to place her and I hope that that's not making me lose geek cred um when last we saw agent 33 it was with so many different faces that I think her her original one and now her, you know now that she's reverted to that hadn't really stuck with me 
uh, completely. So I kind of liked that all of a sudden there's just a beautiful woman on a phone in Tijuana and it's completely incongruous. Then it starts to kind of unfold with uh, first Deathlock, then Coulson appearing. And um, it's also been a couple of weeks since we saw them. So it's just it, it, it was a nice way to kind of suddenly break the story and go, wait, who, what, where, when? And then say, oh, right, these two people, even though we, you know, we knew words coming home and all that but it was just a nice flow to the story and that the flow was stopped and forced you to kind of get up to speed quickly but by the time that colson has cornered her they um cut to ward who receives a phone call we get this great banter back and forth between um Colson and Ward over uh, bringing him in out of the cold here, looking to catch up, and we break. Act two begins with uh, Peterson asking um, Kara about the mask on her face. You got any more of those lying around? While Ward shows up and he is instantly drawn to the fact that they haven't killed him means that they need him. And uh, there is, of course, then that just super fun, quick montage there. The montage of all his weapons. Um, yes. What an inventive scene. I mean, it's it, I'm glad that they did it. It's kind of, I suspect it's one of those things where you say, well, the time it's going to take us to shoot it versus it's going to be five seconds on screen. But it really just reminds you that Ward is this stone cold super trained killer who of course is going to have 20 things and then plunk them down and then still have number 21 hidden away. Right. A razor or, uh, you know, something really tiny then. And, you know, if you've noticed what they've done, they've, they've softened Ward and that's what makes this change possible from a character perspective on top of Matt, what they bring in here in a moment, but he's flattered that, uh, they've brought the robot just for him. Uh, <laughs> and he needs to remind Colson that he's not Hydra anymore. But, uh, though the fact that they last met, uh, Coulson referred to him as a deluded son of a bitch, he's there to offer him a deal. Um, he's going to get Colson inside and after they take care of the business they need to, he has promised to put Ward through the Tahiti Protocol. And uh, though he is a murderer and a traitor and nobody is denying anything here about Grant Ward, there's still the idea that he has uh, gone through tremendous risk for Agent 33, another former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Um, and the idea of erasing what Garrett and Ward's family did to him uh, to get the best possible results here for Grant Ward. Certainly a shocking turn of events here for Grant Ward. The notion that he can be invited back into the bosom of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's, well, Pete, I don't know that anybody could have predicted that, could they? No, I don't I don't think so at all. I I I did not see this coming. Frankly, I'm stunned. I'm sitting down is is really how I'm able to talk to you through this. Um but this is the end result and when you all see next week's episode, you will uh be able to go back 
and listen to this podcast and pretty much step for step follow where we will be by the end of next week's episode. By the way, Pete, speaking of future episodes and something that we did not mention at the top of the show, but was breaking news within the last week, uh, ABC announced that the uh, the two part uh, season finale would be aired uh, the same night. So that means that uh, we've already watched tonight's episode. There are only three weeks left. There's an episode uh, next Tuesday, the following Tuesday, and then a double bill length episode uh, nine to eleven on uh on uh, may 12th tuesday may 12th here in these united states for the two-hour finale uh so we are down to three little weeks left for agents of shield season dose and the things we're hearing are that there will not be as strong a connection coming out of um avengers age of ultron but still a connection and that uh whatever spinoff or spin-offs may take place will be seated within the final hours of this show for the season. Maybe they'll do a spin in be the first show ever to do a spin into itself. I don't know what that means, but they might do it. <laughs> that would kind of be like, you know, the play within a play. So, you know, <laughs> uh, well, Pete, I've got and- it. I've got it. They've spun off to the past Rumor is what I'm like. What I like to call Mister and Mrs. Shield, which would be the the Hunter and uh, Mockingbird spinoff. Yeah, um, that would be concurrent. But really, would be Mister and Mrs. X Shield. Well, still. Well, I think I think we're looking for reconciliation for everybody by the end of the season. But we've spun off to the past. We apparently might spin off to the present. Might we get Shield 2022? <laughs> think about it. It's possible. God, I hope not. Um. So having made this uh, deal here, Coulson gives Ward his word as director. Um, But this is an issue, obviously, moving forward. But Ward might know a guy. From there, we move back to um, the playground where uh, May has told Bobby the truth about what Simmons did. Um, she says that nobody's happy about it, but we're going, she's going to have to tell the board and Gonzalez um, unless they find Colson's group here. They're looking to tap Mike Peterson's eye feed and see what they can see. Um, and there we go to Hunter and Fitz, who are getting ready here and uh, they know that it's an issue as far as finding sky, but Fitz brings up that they have made a deal with the devil. Pete, in that previous May scene, I really like the position that, that the show has put May in uh, while I don't think she's a true believer in the Gonzalez uh, Gonzalez led shield. I think she also realizes that there is a legitimacy to it, um, particularly with Coulson on the run. Granted, she helped Coulson run. Um, but these are the remnants of S.H.I.E.L.D., and they they should be cohesive in some way. And she's been given control of this base. I mean, it, it, to a certain degree, it kind of makes her the number two commanding officer, if you will. You know, Gonzalez has the Iliad and May has the base. Um 
So she has to play it by the book here, even if she doesn't necessarily agree with the whole Gonzalez philosophy. You can't have a system if you don't have the chain of command. And that's really thematically an issue throughout this episode. If it's not May, it's Coulson, you know, allowing the forward progress and the people behind them, you know, going along with it, although not necessarily agreeing with it. You know, Hunter brings up that, you know, Ward is our psychopath now. Um, when we go back to afterlife, Gordon and Jia Ying are having a discussion here uh, about Reina, who doesn't appear in this episode, but Jia Ying has been looking through their records and they have no record of anybody with the gift of precognition. Um, so Gordon is excited that like him, she could be the first of her kind. And it certainly is an interesting notion that they historically have some people who repeat powers. That wasn't something that I had, uh, particularly considered for the mythology of this show. I mean, obviously it's not something they're going to pursue in any great detail. Like, look, here's another shockwave and here's kid shockwave. Um, Shockwave, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, they're kind of dramatic limits where you say, okay, this is boring, but just in terms of the, the, the science of their real world, uh, I find it very interesting that they're, they're used to sometimes people, or at least oftentimes repeating powers. Definitely. And then, you know, comes the, uh, sky appeal on Cal's behalf here, Jiaying again asserts herself as the leader and explains that sometimes you have to do things you'd rather not. To protect our group, not one of us. There's definitely this line that that I don't like the the fact that it's being drawn, that it's this very exclusive line. You're either in this group or you're not, and we don't care that Cal might rage out and go kill five, ten, fifteen, twenty people. Sorry, he's not one of the special the special crystal folks. Goodbye, which is a very very cold t- uh, way to take things. Speaking of not being a member of the group, as Colson and Peterson uh, meet uh, inside a car, we have Ward and Thirty Three, where he immediately is. Uh, checking over the tactical situation and he wants to know where his old friend may is, but he quickly assures Kara that, uh, nobody's getting wiped. And then they open up a trunk and who's back, Matt back. She's back in the back. All right. Yes. Um, By the way, Pete, did, just wanted to ask you, did you see how fast the car came in at the beginning of the scene? You know, the car Deflock was driving. I did not. It was just, it, it really zoomed on in. That's because when Deathlock drives, he has a real lead foot. Wow. <laughs> um, but uh, Bakshi reports that he is only too happy to comply here, hearkening back again too early in the season with 33 and uh you know all the other stuff that came under uh dr daniel whitehall and of course the fact that he is so happy he's just he's had the trunk opened 
yes, I'm happy to comply. I mean, he's not initially happy, but the minute there's this notion of, hey, you have an opportunity to comply, why he's so happy to do so, I'm sure there'll be no problems for the rest of the episode. None whatsoever. We go to Cal, and uh, when he sees Sky paying him a visit, he apologizes. He was expecting uh, Gordon, who he affectionately refers to as Gordo. Um, it's delightful. It is. But um, he says he apologizes again. He's a big overdoer, which we're a little bit familiar with. Um, he heard he's, uh, she heard, Sky heard that he's going to be heading home. And um, she asks about uh, China. And he explains that he had been a volunteer for Doctors Without Borders, where uh, Cal met. Uh, Sky's mother, um, and he uh, reveals that home, home is actually Milwaukee, um, and he'd love to take her there sometime, show her around. Sky says, "Well, what about tomorrow? Best day ever." And Pete, this adding to the sympathy of Cal. How do you argue with a guy as damaged as he is? volunteering for doctors without borders i just imagine him like in in rural china fixing cleft palates and just helping children fight malaria and it's just like oh this poor poor guy who has such a good heart and just wants to be with his family but has long since fallen off the path of 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 appropriate behavior and you know not killing people but what is what, what a touching way uh, with which to end the act. Uh, act three and Sky is adamant speaking with her mother that uh, she can't leave Cal on the side of the road like a puppy, though he's as dangerous as a pit bull. I thought that this was such an incredibly uh, effective scene. Perhaps one extra bit of, of writerly uh, uh salt and pepper too much from uh, this script by Monica Awusu Breen. Um, it was like, it's like a puppy, but not a puppy, a dog, not a dog, a pit bull. The pit bull is the dog, is the puppy, is dad. Just one little extra bit there. But overall, I thought it was very, very heartfelt to say, this is a screwed up guy who just shouldn't be cut loose. And I really appreciated that scene there from Sky. And I appreciated that it's thrown back at Zhang Ying. You were the one mom that made me go to one dinner with him. And now we're cutting the cord, um, you know, and, and Zhang Ying, in fairness, throws this back at her. Well, you had one dinner with him and now you think you know him. I have a lifetime with him. But Sky is quick to point out the idea of memories. You know, I'm not asking you to let him stay. I'm asking you to let me go with him. You know what, too? Jai Ying in this scene and in some of the previous ones has kind of picked up what I'm suspecting is a, a show theme, which is this notion that May had, or pardon me, that uh, Simmons had earlier in the season of, you know, there's the us and the them and they're different and we want to cure them and all of that kind of stuff that was in the air with Simmons maybe five, six episodes ago. Now that theme is being repeated here where it's like, I mean, Jai Ying is essentially doing like the sci-fi version of 
you know, he has a, he, you know, he has Alzheimer's or that kind of thing that makes him a different person. So we need to treat that seriously, but, you know, but we can't be nice and we need to kind of, kind of be a little, little cold over all of this. Um, but of course this is not some mental thing. This is, you know, the fact that he's just, I mean, it's mental, but it's not, you know, a, a, a kind of like Alzheimer's, if you will. So I, I just like that the show is exploring these deeper issues ever so slightly in the midst of this episode that has a thousand guest stars and uh, some great <laughs> action ahead. Aboard the Quinjet there, uh, it's made clear that Bakshi has reached out to Dr. List to arrange the meeting here. Um, and then we get the frivolity of Ward asking, so Fitz... How you been? <laughs> I, I love the Fitz's responses to just get up and, um, uh, lunge I, to my eyes, yeah, to, tr- <laughs> to lunge at him, not to not to walk out, to be overwhelmed, but to just step up and say, I will attack this guy for what he did to me. P.S. Nice earlier reference there at the, towards the beginning of the episode that Fitz hadn't been in the field since. And then in, you know, earlier in the episode, he kind of tapped his head to say his brain injury caused by Ward. Um, but I really like it. And I like that he, he does not fundamentally trust Ward and Bakshi saying that, you know, they're both going to double cross, uh, shield here or, you know, <laughs> Colson shield. And, um, of course he's kind of right. Smartest guy in the room <laughs> has picked up on something, but there and is Pete a fail safe. Yes. They're going to send Bakshi in with his bodyguard, which is going to be Peterson. And they're going to use the eye feed to watch everything. Um, you know, they protest that he's been told to come alone. But Coulson's quick to point out that Bakshi will be able to talk his way around and through that issue. Pete, what I really like about this introduction of uh, Deathlock being the quote-unquote bodyguard for Bakshi as he goes to the Hydra meet is at least as you're watching the episode unfold, how they're going to explain that to the Hydra people does not make sense. So initially it's like, no, that's going to blow the cover right away. Even if Bakshi can whatever, whatever. And they said two people, one person, now there's two. It, it, it immediately is kind of this, you know, this rough edge sticking out, which of course the story addresses quickly, but I just like it. All of a sudden you're saying, wait, time out. There's a problem here. And it has to be that way. It's no different than, you know, when um, Simmons is attempting to track um, Peterson and, and Coulson, and of course she can't get it yet because we have to get that great reveal later on where, oh, and look, it's Coulson and Ward. Oh, my God, they're working together. Now everybody knows it. Um, but that May explains here that Coulson left them with a mountain of lies. We've seen the tide shift for her in light of last week's excellent episode that explained her origin as the cavalry and the you know, relationship she previously had with Coulson and the way her life went. Um, but Simmons is still on the side of Coulson here you know, firm that, uh, well, he was just trying to protect us. Um, and, and you know what, in an episode that is not necessarily leaning too heavy on the shield HQ characters, if nothing else, it's a way to keep these two characters kind of in the story. Um, 
that might not be the most elegant uh, use of their time in an episode, but at least it, you know, at least it's showing May has made one decision, Simmons has made another, and they're all trying to cohabitate there. We go to Milwaukee where Gordon drops Cal and Skye off. Um, he takes her through the old neighborhood here. You know, he had a practice, uh, before he met the mother that, uh, you know, she had been studying, Jia Yang had been studying to be a doctor too, and that she was, uh, you know, really promising at it. There was this great little charter school down the block where, you know, he was going to go see her science project. You know, who doesn't love a volcano? I found that a little bit of a loaded line. Um, hmm. And, uh, you know, that their their life could have been, you know, completely different. But uh, as the old neighborhood is not really what it used to be. Uh, memory lane is not as fun to visit. By the way, Pete, you know what else isn't fun in TV production? Those super expensive, like computer special effects bills, especially if you know you're going to be <laughs> writing a two-part season finale. They didn't know at the time it would air together, but it's it is you know part one and part two. You know that you're paying for all these guest stars and whatnot. So how do you save a couple of bucks? Well, when Gordon drops off Sky and Cal, we don't see the swoosh. We just see them going, ugh. And then there's like papers <laughs> flying around. And then when, when Gordon's like, okay, goodbye. I'm going back now. He walks out of frame. And then there's, you know, sound. But uh, it costs exactly nothing to have him go, I'll see you. I'll get you when you need me to get you. And then to have him just walk to where the camera can't see him and then the effects are in our imagination they are and as Bakshi meets up with Dr. List um, and Peterson is able to show this to Coulson and his group they point out how there are three more heavily armed men there and Ward is quick to uh, bring up that, well, you have a cyborg in there and Coulson's always looking at it from the human element. He's not a cyborg. He's a shield agent with rockets in his arm. <laughs> um, but list wants to know he's sniffing out here. How did Bakshi escape? And he brings up the power grab with the Baroness and everything that went on there. And that uh, Strucker uh, was somehow, involved but that he did not escape unscathed and it was mr peterson here who helped him escape but uh he knows that strucker is experimenting on power people and it's as this is going on that um, we wind up in an act ending standoff matt we do it's a really really nice scene where this notion of trading mike uh, Peterson to Strucker uh, as kind of the proof that Bakshi is a good guy. Um, that That is news to Coulson. And then Ward is saying, no, that was the, the sub plan I didn't tell you about, which, you know, somebody grabs a gun, then somebody else grabs a gun, and then there's a knife that fits his neck, courtesy of Agent 33, which, you know, that's that's like a a draw there. You know, bear hug from Agent 33, knife at your neck, you know, eh. Um, but indeed, it's a, it's a standoff and uh, and act break. 
So as Act 4 begins in the midst of this standoff here, Deathlock begins auto-targeting everybody in the room, and they need to get him to stand down while everyone else on the Quinjet stands down with a little bit of false tension there. Um, But that uh, Coulson tells Ward if he pulls something like this again, he will throw his ass out at 30,000 feet communicates the idea yeah it kind of was one of those act break crises that takes long enough to come back from the act break and then you know like a minute to be like okay so let's just all lower our guns um it is what it is we're not gonna you know rehash the 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 five act structure and the necessity of it for broadcast tv but it's nice that, it's nice that they decide to all work together so quickly it is. And just like that, as Deathlock powers down, a scientist woman type tells Dr. List that there has been another incident. Oh, no, it's not one of those incidents. No, Sorry, it's not a fans. system failure. <laughs> but uh, when we're back with Cal here, he's lamenting the death of the neighborhood. This is dead. That's dead. Uh, the internet killed everything. Damn that Al Gore. Sky's not sure <laughs> that the internet killed ice cream. But as, uh, you know, she bumps into a guy there, uh, Cal begins to uh, look for a place to hide out. And uh, she calms him down, has him go in the convenience store for some ice cream while she calls May. Uh, indeed, having having uh, stolen the guy's phone when she bumped into him, which then provoked dad for the guy having bumped into her, so on and so forth. Um, it it's a nice switcheroo scene. I know. Um, uh, I I know. Kind of her pickpocketing skills were discussed on Twitter and whatnot. Um, but it's it's a nice way for her to actually check in, which is something that. Uh, I I confess I had lost track of when the last time was she had uh, gotten in touch with S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ uh, and all that. So to kind of uh, update to update that um, that bit of story there is uh, appreciated indeed. Plus, it tells you and underlines for you Sky wants S.H.I.E.L.D. to know that there could be an issue here and we need to protect people. Right. It's that typical type of TV conversation. She can't get all the info out. Max says that she doesn't sound like a hostage. And Pete, as the scene wraps up, we also find out that Lincoln has been watching. Yes. And uh, Zhang Ying and Gordon discuss that. They also discuss how Ethan had been dropped on a camping trip and is now missing. We know where he is. Um, Zhang Ying is not as concerned with how that might have happened, but by who could have done it. Dun, dun, dun. Certainly the, uh, the tea leaves clear at this point to we, the audience, that there's uh, kind of a, a multi-headed collision here. Fake shield, real shield, uh, afterlife, uh, Hydra West. It's all uh, surprisingly connected. Yes. Um, Bakshi brings up that he believed that Strucker was in Eastern Europe, and you'll see him again soon in Avengers Age of Ultron. And Dr. List explains that they are looking for and looking into quantum entanglement. 
There's some uh, techno babble thrown <laughs> about, but the words bridge and teleport tell you all you need to know. It's actually a nicely written scene in terms of how it unfolds because he keeps repeating, um, you know, tracking quantum entanglements and Bakshi's like, oh, you mean that? Oh, no, you mean that? Oh, it's actually the third thing. And it's it's a really nice use of, of techno babble because we um, eventually, by way of Fitz, get it explained to us dullards that uh, it's Gordon who they're keeping an ironic eye on. But it settles over sky here and that hydra seems to want her why no one seems to know um sky meanwhile with her father uh who stops back at his old practice here gets to see her last name of johnson um he talked about how he changed it to something more sinister zebo there when he went on the run so we get the nice reveal of her saying her name here, Daisy Johnson. And the Hawaiian hula gal on the desk there, huh, genetics. Yes, because the preference for knickknacks on desks, uh, there, there, there is a, uh, I think it's Gene 248 that is uh, the one that controls the preference for plastic uh, figurines on desks. Yes, but uh, he owns the building. He explains that uh, she would have grown up not rich but comfortable. And uh, Sky coins the term stash pad. Oh, Sky, you're so terribly Sky. Although I will say oh, this in whippy in a number of scenes in this episode, the the earnestness with which she uh, deals with her father, and particularly in what's about to unfold in this scene, I couldn't help but think how far Sky as a character has come from someone who at times was, shall we say, charitably insufferable to here this is just a worldly, responsible uh, woman. And um, it's it's nice to have seen that arc with Sky. She has come a long way, and as Cal grabs... Uh, some equipment there that he explains used to uh, put uh, Zhang Ying back together again. Um, the discussion centers in that he still loves her, that she resented him after they lost Sky, but she's the one that needs to break it to her father that we're not all back together here, that this isn't science fairs <coughs> and father daughter dances. Um, that this is not going to uh, be a permanent thing here. And like that, they're interrupted by Lincoln. Pete, I like that with Lincoln's appearance, there's uh, almost a duality going on. However, both bits of the duality going in the same direction. Um, Cal as dad is a little nervous. Uh, I, I suspect that, you know, tussle-haired, good-looking Lincoln is there to, you know, take take his little baby away. Um, but then there's also kind of, you know, angry Mr. Hyde Cal, who is, you know, quickly perturbed by this guy's presence here in Cal's own building and and figuring out, you know, that and, and you know, Lincoln's obvious connection to afterlife and the fact that he's getting over this notion that he's being kicked to the curb. Um, it's just, it kind of comes together very, very nicely. Cal, on the other hand, is intent with not being patronized when Lincoln says that he was sent by Zhang Ying to see if everything was cool. 
there. Um, Bakshi, meanwhile, uh, is looking to capture the teleporter alive um, that he's uh, sending Peterson in as we break for the fifth act. And of course, Pete, after the act break uh, with with uh, Hydra in the lobby, Hydra guys are now showing up. I'm assuming a couple of floors up. That's where Cal is. And uh, Cal, of course, no no need for special, you know, electricity shooting from his fingers or, you know, sonic boom claps. He just starts to beat the crap out of three Hydra guys. Yes. Um, you know, Lincoln goes down. Cal is upset. And uh, Lincoln warns Cal to watch out here. Uh, Lincoln, meanwhile, is able to shoot energy into a Hydra guy. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, not as special as we hoped. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Sky points out that this is uh, not S.H.I.E.L.D., it's Hydra, and uh, that they need to get Sky out of there. Um, And uh, Cal doesn't want people to lose their heads. The the fight that ensues, um, Ward and Coulson showing up, kicking butt, um, Deathlock getting uh, getting zapped by Lincoln, uh, levitated it, it, even, indeed levitated. It's overall it's a really really nice fight scene. Um, I recognize now, looking back, that um, Deathlock plus electricity and Lincoln, there couldn't be anything too major because they're going to get you know, zapped by the Hydra zapping bomb. I personally was hoping that it would have been like, you know, Lincoln, Bazoomp charges him, nothing. Bazoomp, and then with that, Deathlock, you know, lets out like some energy ray to like, you know, like his batteries are at 120%, you know, a lot of things we've seen in Iron Man. Yeah. I get why they didn't do it, just because they needed to get the two of them, you know, kind of like down but not out, and then out. Um, but, But that's where I thought they were headed. Robot the, man, electricity man. I mean, come on. The air of mystery there. You know, what are you made of that I'm not having the usual effect on you? And then Peterson, <clears throat> as the voice of reason, that you don't want to do this, that I'm a friend of Sky. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm the Hulk. <laughs> that's, that, Pete, that's just what people say in the MCU. You just sit and go, you know, oh, wow, Pete, you're... You're gonna uh, you're gonna buy the pizza for everybody. You're a regular Tony Stark. Yes, you know, in, insert action, uh, insert comparison to one of our, uh, you know, full time uh, film characters. But it's as this is going on that uh, Fitz is uh, doing some hacking. There's some hacking going on on the other end, which we'll uh, talk about in a second. Hunter gets shot in the leg. Colson and Ward uh, in the fray here, and uh, they want to know who the hell that guy, Lincoln, is. And then Simmons on the other end, she's able to get the signal and activate their view of Peterson's ICAM and see Colson and Ward aligned here. By the way, Pete, I will confess I had initially called technological baloney on the notion that, oh, Deathlock has parts that can be hacked into that seems convenient. Uh, but of course, uh, I was reminded of uh, all the way back to episode 104, I Spy with an EYE. These eyes are made to be seen back at HQ. Um, 
So, of course, to be able to hack into them is logical enough, I suppose. Right. And as um, Peterson sees Bakshi, uh, he tells him, you know, where have you been? You've missed all the fun. And Bakshi quips, not quite, and throws a device there that uh, then drops Lincoln and Peterson with some kind of uh, zapping energy. I call it the energy zoom, zoom, zoom thing. Uh, yes, regardless, write that on a on a script somewhere. Absolutely, Bakshi looks so incredibly smug there. Um, kudos to actor Simon Cassianidis for just being able to pull off this guy who we love to hate, and yeah, just basically love to hate most of the time. But, but I mean, it's it's such a such a such a perfectly formed character who feels three dimensional, even though most of the time he's just you know revealing his evil plan kind of thing. With Coulson so close to Sky here, he sees her, and then Gordon teleports in and takes her. Um, Ward is left to sum up what's happened. Deathlock is down. Sky is gone. Now what do we do, boss? Well, let's not forget, too, at least uh, to my eyes, this was the case. Correct me if I'm wrong, but as uh, Gordon is taking Sky, Cal gives a quick, you know, no, and grabs them and kind of gets pulled into the yes. into the vortex. Yes. But I just love that, love that ending there where, you know, <laughs> you've lost your strongest member. The plan hasn't worked. You've lost the person you were going after, and your backup is your backup is Fitz. What are you going to do? What's there to do? And I don't know what the answer is. I guess they didn't either, which is why they broke the act. Our tag scene has uh, Bobby and Mac uh, stalking the hallways here, finding uh, standard issue Hydra shells. Um, They seem to have missed the fray by about an hour, Uh, but a familiar Face and voice lets them know that not everyone has left. Colson tells them that uh, the cleanup crew really sucks and that he will tell them all about it back at the base. Take me to your leader. Wonderful way to end the act. I don't think it, or to end the, the, the episode, I should say. Um, it spoils nothing for no one to say there are four hours of this season left there's going to be some sort of reconciliation between the, the, the shield factions and shields. This is shields. This is, this is, um, so the fact that Colson ready to report back to the, the nominal boss of, uh, of Gonzalez, the timing is perfect. And, and I'm glad that we're moving so quickly in that direction. <laughs> A detailed look at our bad guys here, Matt. First up, Dr. List. Love him as kind of the the uber baddie. Um, uh, the actor certainly was memorable enough to have stuck with, uh, with me at least uh, f- for these, I don't know, six episodes or so since uh, last we saw him. So, uh, I, you know, he is, of course, you know, wonderfully British and kind of sounds so, you know, like, uh, you know, like the, the proper James Bond head baddie and um, really kind of, a, you know, a, a compelling character amidst all these other characters. 
And on the science side there, he's clearly got a goal with what he's doing with this quantum entanglement and searching for these signatures and working on, you know, powered individuals there like Ethan. Um, next on our list, beneath list, Matt, we have uh, the former Agent 33 or Kara, as she likes to be called now. Indeed. Uh had she been named Kara before this episode, Pete? She revealed her name at the end of the Love in the Time ah, of yes. Hydra episode. You know, hi, I'm Kara. Yes, yes, yes. I ask just because there, uh, there's going to be a show at CBS about another super-powered gal named Kara. But uh, I wondered if oh, perhaps it was just gosh. a little... If it was just a little, you know, tee-hee to that. Pete, we'll let some of our other friendly friends who podcast the DC shows take care of that one uh, as well. But, um, again, you know, a sympathetic baddie. She's a little bit of a lost, you know, like like a lost baby deer in this episode. But we understand why. Because she's had this up and down, you know, brainwashing, who am I business that went on. And um, a sympathetic baddie. I just hope that she doesn't kind of fade into the nothingness um or just get like an unceremonious bullet to the head because they don't know what to do with her anymore so they write her out that way i hope they hope they kind of give her some meat here well that she's in one moment you know on the phone with mom looking to you know help her out there and the next she's worried about ward's status you know will he have his memory wiped what does that mean for her identity if she doesn't have him she's not quite standing on her own feet here yet um but she's not the brainwashed um you know double agent that she had previously been so there is certainly room with ward matt i don't know what more we can say that we haven't already um you know we knew long ago that this turn would come that they just would need to write themselves into the situation where they would need to bring Ward back. The show is richer for it. And if you don't believe that, then we're not watching the same show. I think that it is um, not, it is not story cheating that they've dug back and said, Hey, we have a thing that can mess with memories. Therefore we're going to tabula rasa him, but we're only going to take out the bad stuff because there still is good in him. Um, is it a little hand of the writer? Okay, fine. But you know what? You get some of those along the way if they're not cheesy and if there aren't too many. And the fact that the show already has established that there is this thing and it was clearly created for other purposes, not an out for award. Um, I think it's I think it's a novel use of that, and it's a novel way to get back to where we always had expected, which was Ward redeemed. And Bakshi reappears here. I love the introduction in the trunk, um, but to get him back in play, and then of course he wriggles off the hook here, deploys some technology, and he is able to slink away with Hydra yet again. Um, just belies the seriousness of the conflict that Coulson is fighting on two fronts. 
an interesting trajectory for Bakshi. Certainly, uh, you know, a fan favorite in his turn in the first half of the season and the, the resurfacing that he did uh, of late. Um, within this episode, though, I really like his story arc. Having gone from junk in the trunk to the king of Sting once he throws that uh, electrostatic grenade. And I can't wait to learn more about how he has sloughed off this brainwashing or if it is some sort of, you know, if it's a mental thing where he says, I know I can't do one, two, and three, but I'm doing four, five, and six, which don't conflict with it, but I know the result is going to be to get around it because I've been brainwashed. I can't wait to hear more about about his present state. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize, Matt, the big mystery, this quantum entanglement, and what, if anything, this has to do with the apparently deceased Ethan Johnston. I'm going to say Johnston and err on that side because Johnson makes it potentially related to Sky, which I don't think we're going for. Super-powered siblings would seem so hackneyed in a, in a Marvel yeah. story. I can't imagine they ever would do it. Uh, Pete, I feel like they clearly have offered the tip of the iceberg here and something that they'll explore over the course of the next four episodes. I continue to find myself amazed the pace at which these episodes move. Um, I, 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 as always, suspect it is uh, originated uh, in uh, Jeff Loeb's time on the writing staff for Lost, particularly the, the season two writing staff, where things moved glacially, wonderfully glacially at times, but that's not his style. So the fact that we're introducing some sort of super-powered gizmo person thing, um, and it's all presumably going to be gone in the course of four little episodes, um, I, I'm not particularly surprised about that uh peterson floats with uh, agent 33 there the mask fix can they fix mike peterson with that technology can he be whole again matt <laughs> well and less of a freak i certainly had to <laughs> i had to feel for the actor saying those lines the actor who had to get up super early to get the burn makeup on. Uh, I imagine his costume probably isn't that much worse than putting on any other costume. You know, there's probably some light up things and battery packs and whatnot. But the fact that this guy is probably rolling to work at, you know, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning to get burn scar painted on his face. He's probably like flipping ahead in the script saying, and then Deathlock gets the thing and his face is fixed and he gets an eight o'clock call to the makeup trailer where they just put <laughs> put a little cake makeup on and give him give him some scrambled eggs and say you know off you go buddy to the set um I, joking aside i think that that i read that as nothing more and nothing less than they are simply seeding the story for when they are going to do this a restaurant in tijuana is not the time to get that uh, I imagine it's some sort of, you know, sweep up after the after the big climax in the two hour season finale. Um, it's going to be, you know, cut to Simmons saying, look, we replicated the the veil technology. Here you go, Michael. And he puts it on and goes, "Ah, I feel whole again. Now I can go see my son Ace. Um, so to me, it's just not even foreshadowing. It's it's Chekhov's 
whatever veil. What's it called? I was I can never remember. Static veil. Static. I want to say soylent veil, which of course is <laughs> completely different. incorrect. That's made of people, <laughs> for people, by people. Um, but uh, I I think it's a situation where you know. Um, do you want to potentially have that out there for him? Yes. Would it make him less frightening, able to to blend in a little bit more? Let's not forget he's got a robot leg that, you know, unless you'd seen that episode and you've only seen this one, you don't know that. Um, and all the the other enhancements there that that kind of go by the boards within this one episode. So, you know, it's it's nice to hold out that hope and even that potential that he could be uh, he could be fixed. Well, you know what, too, Pete, and, and this kind of looks a bit behind the curtain here. But if we are going to be spinning off some characters to a concurrent spinoff with Mockingbird and Hunter, um, that certainly opens up the opportunity for cast members to be added to either show. Uh, maybe in season three of Agents of Shield, you have you know full cast member Agent Mike Peterson along with the Veil upgrade, and you're able to wink, wink, nudge, nudge, put him in a put him in a suit and tie, and uh, you know black gloves because he's got the robot whatever on his hands, but kind of say, well, you know, if you're going to be a, a full on cast member here, we'll we'll cut you a break a little bit in terms of the makeup and the costume and whatnot, um, and when needed pull back your suit jacket to reveal your rocket arm. Um, but that's worth keeping in mind, too, that we potentially are going to need to fill the ranks uh, of of two shows with some of these familiar faces. Right, and and who's to say that a Mike Peterson doesn't make the jump to one of those other shows or even a Grant Ward? Transmissions. Uh, we are opening up our mailbag here, and as we check the wire, um, one of the ways you can definitively get in touch with us would be by leaving a rating and reviewing us on iTunes. We take that feedback seriously. You help other listeners find us when you leave those reviews. So please head on over to iTunes and uh, either on the Fantastic Geek um, pop culture feed uh, page or on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. You can leave us a review and uh, it's much appreciated. Absolutely it is. And uh, Pete, I'll mention one bit of feedback here from Twitter uh, from Lorianne DiGiacomo. That's at sci-fi geek nj on the twitter and uh pete she said something that i think you're not gonna like you're not gonna like to hear she says it might be just me but i don't think ward got interesting until he went bad your thoughts pete oh i would completely agree with her um and that that is the charm of the character that he was able to take that turn and yet matt he's more popular than ever this is definitely true. This is definitely true. Girls uh, love a bad boy, and uh, we at Hydra love our own. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, everybody wins except S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> and um, even they win in the next episode where he has to help them out further. Uh, 
<laughs> he's just the gift that keeps on giving. He is. And, you know, um, Brett Dalton would be the first person to tell you that. <laughs> Pete, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and former slash underground Hydra agents alike can be in touch with you on the Twitter. And how can they do so? You can find me at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 5,641 followers. Can't be wrong. Hail Hydra. <laughs> and while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast on our Gmail, our Twitter, and our .com. We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH on all of those. Pete, there is, of course, one more popular way. Yes. On the Book of Face, uh, Mike Peterson can't have one, but Fantastic Geek does. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the PH. A lot of chatter going on there, uh, particularly in regards to what Marvel's doing with Daredevil, just the nature of that show dropping all at once, but certainly some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. banter as well. Get yourself over there, like it, make it official, and uh, you'll be part of the conversation. Well, Pete, just want to remind everybody that uh, though Daredevil has been getting a lot of the attention as of late, and of course we're dropping new Daredevil podcast episodes every Monday and Friday, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. remains the uh, the mothership to it all, and the, uh, the genesis of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, is the first Avengers movie, which uh, we will be kind of doing a, not like a full 90-minute podcast on Avengers, but kind of like a looking back at Avengers type thing. Uh, we'll be dropping next weekend on, uh, on the pop culture feed and the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, and uh, just an opportunity to kind of refresh our memories from uh, the very beginning there of Coulson's End. And uh, the first Avengers movie ahead of Avengers, Age of Ultron. Yes, indeedy. And with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. How about next time we grill? I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home.